All right, good morning again, Go Church family. Everybody in this room, you've already been greeted, but how about we welcome everybody watching online today and also our Germantown, Maryland campus family. Come on, can you put your hands together? Welcome everybody online, everybody in Germantown. And then, of course, we have a weekly tradition here. Before we get into the message, we always pause to give honor to the brave men and women who have served in the military, who are currently serving in the military, and then all of those courageous first responders. So of all of the groups of people that we might encourage and applaud, how about we give the highest applause and appreciation to the great men and women that serve on the front line. Come on, go church. I love it. Listen, we got a lot of things happening here at Go Church. Uh, this upcoming Saturday, we got first Saturday prayer happening at our campuses at 8.30 a.m. Next Sunday, we got step one, a move track that's happening, so go online and sign up for that. And then in just a few weeks, we have Easter Sunday here at Go Church. You heard that announcement just a moment ago. You can find all of that information online, but I wanna make sure that when you leave today, you get a couple things in your hands to help invite family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, et cetera. We got Easter invite cards that you can pass out to people. You can leave at the restaurant on the table for your server. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, you can pass those out. So make sure on your way out today, you pick up handfuls, plural, come on somebody, of Easter invite cards. If you weren't here last Sunday or you missed getting one of the Easter invite car, you know, adhesive stickers for the back window of your car, uh, I want to make sure you pick that up. It's, it's not sticky. It doesn't mess up anything. It goes on easy. It comes off easily. But this way, when you're driving around town, you can invite people to come to Go Church. Plus, it's a great accountability partner. And some of y'all just need to drive better. Can I get an amen? Come on. So on your way out today, make sure you get the Easter invite cards and then also that card tag so that we can tell everybody about Easter here at Go Church. And now today, you're in for a real treat because you get to hear from my pastor, the Bishop of the House, Pastor Alan Matura. Come on, isn't that exciting? He's going to be preaching the word. Now I'll tell you why today is significant and while this is more than just coincidental for him to be speaking on this Sunday, but it's more of, of history and strategy. 37 years ago this weekend, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they transitioned from South Carolina. They moved to the south side of Atlanta. And 37 years ago this weekend, they began to pastor what was then known as the Peachtree City Church of God. 37 years ago. Now, I couldn't find a picture of their very first Sunday, but I was able to find a picture of uh, an event that they had about 11 months in. And so they'll put this on the screen, the picture of Pastor Allen and Dr. Valerie and then Kimberly, who's the little one, and then uh, their, their other daughter, Jennifer. My wife, Kimberly, was six weeks old when they moved uh, to the Peachtree City area and began to pastor this great church. And for the last three decades, almost four decades, they have served faithfully. You can see how beautiful my mother-in-law was then and how pretty she is now. Come on, somebody. You can also see how my father-in-law had hair back then. Come on. Y'all see that? And then you're wondering, why did he lose his hair? It's because of some of you and your family. Come on now. But he can talk about that. That's his testimony, not mine. But for 37 years, they have served this community and this church with great character, integrity, and humility. And there are unending adjectives that we could use to describe their ministry. On that very first Sunday, they started with 34 people in attendance. And I think the second Sunday, they had like 20 people in attendance. So he preached 14 people away. Come on now. But if you look around now, almost 40 years later, Peachtree City Church of God has become Go Church. 
We're one church in multiple locations with a campus on the west side on the way. And every victory and every success that we'll ever experience is because we're standing on the shoulders of you two. I have only met one person. This is a true story, by the way. I've only met one person in my life that has ever had anything negative to say about Pastor Allen. And that individual was actually riding in my pickup truck about eight years ago. And he started in complaining about the pastor of this church, which was my father-in-law. So true story here, he started to complain and I simply pulled my truck over and I told him to get out and walk. Come on somebody. God is my witness. He walked three miles to his final destination. If you don't love the Maturas, it ain't them that's the problem. It's you that's the problem. Can I get an amen? They are a beautiful family. He is a master communicator, a dynamic preacher, a visionary leader, an apostolic leader. He's full of wisdom and sound advice. Last week I called and said, do you have an hour? Because I need some advice. And he took every bit of the time that I needed until finally he said, well, it's time for me to go. Come on, somebody. And I'm just so grateful for them, and we love Pastor Allen and Dr. Valerie. So, okay, I want to make sure he's got enough time to preach today, but I think that it's worth giving not just honor, but double honor to a family that has been so faithful for 40 years. Maybe you're a part of Go Church New, and you didn't sit under their ministry and leadership. Anything good from me as a pastor is because of what I've learned from these two. Your life is directly impacted because of their faithfulness and their sacrifice. So I'm going to invite you online, Germantown, everybody in this room. Would you stand to your feet? Put your hands together. Let's give double honor, high honor to the man, the myth, the legend, the bishop, Alamatura. Come on, church. Let's do it for Jesus now. Come on. Add a little bit to it. Do it for the Lord. He is worthy. Amen. 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 Remain standing. We're going to read the word, have prayer, and then I'll let you be seated in a moment. If you can, remain standing. I'd appreciate that. Uh, so the guy he put out of his truck for speaking ill of me, Pastor Jeff, I saw him still walking on my way to church this morning. Thank you for looking after me, Pastor J.C. Amen. And then, uh, I don't know what happened from the time of the picture to now, but I think I know it's uh, all these years of uh, many dangerous toils and snares I have already come. Pastor J.C. is very kind to afford me, number one, the privilege to preach in this pulpit. And I receive that gladly. Uh, very kind, Kimberly and J.C., to follow me knowing the, after you got here, you found out what I left, and here they are, and I'm just, just kidding. Built the building and left him to debt, and I was so glad to do that. But you, Pastor JC, I say this not just because our relationship and family, but I say it because I observe it as a servant of the Lord. I don't know, Kimberly and JC, any other person who could come in the time frame you have and gone through what we have as a nation, COVID and others, done so much in this church, reached so many people. I don't know of another couple that could have done that. And I say that humbly, but I say that sincerely. And I think we should give the Lord thanks for our pastor. And praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Jesus. I, uh, I really enjoy you, Pastor J.C., in more ways than one. I mean, I enjoy your fellowship and company. But a moment ago, I leaned over to his assistant and said, is he ADD? And she's too kind. She's too kind to say. But you be around Pastor J.C., there's just something about him you will like. I mean that. And then, of course, Kimberly. That's why you're here, because you're under his covering. If I were your boss, I'd give you a raise. I am your boss. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to set the, the course for the next time together. Occasionally, I'll need to drink some water because my mouth gets dry. I took some medications that lend itself to that. And even during the nighttime at the house, I have. So when you see me do that, it's a good time for you to say amen, shout, or do something to distract me. And then, gentlemen, in the sound booth, we're good right now with the monitor. But it's not my custom to preach two in a row. So I may have you do that. And uh, then the other thing is, if you'll need to sleep, you can't because I yell. <laughs> How many know the Lord is great? The Lord is great. And I don't like to do this single out anybody except because I don't know everybody. I'll single out everybody if I knew you by name. But I do know you, Melissa. And you know who you are. And she is uh, one of Valerie and I adopted daughters. Stretch your hands in my direction. I earnestly need your prayer because what I'm about to tackle is uh, not customarily for me. Uh, and I need to, to bring this out in a way that is the revelation of the word and the understanding of the word. So would you, would you offer above your breath a prayer for me as you point your hand this way? Go ahead, uh, above your breath, let the devil hear you pray him away. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, Pastor JC and Pastor Kimberly. I thank you for the staff of Go Church. I thank you for the ministry here. Thank you for what the Lord has done all these years. And thank you to Pastor J.C. and Kimberly and this congregation, both services, I should add, and this staff are taking us to another level. And I praise you for that. Anoint me, refresh me, renew me, God. I pray, Lord, that I would not be distracted, neither those who are here be distracted. I pray that the oil of the anointing will flow from the speaker to the listener. And when we are finished, we won't forget by the time we get to the car, but we'll remember the word of the Lord and how it changed our lives. Amen, church. Give him one more hand clap of praise as you're seated. So I want to speak to you from Romans chapter 13, and they'll put this text on the screen. We'll display one verse, but there are quite a few others I'd like to bring to your attention in the course of this lesson entitled, What Time Is It? That's the, that's the word today. What time is it? Romans 13 and 11, and here it is. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time, not any ordinary time. Time is running out time. It is high time to awake out of sleep for now. Everybody say now. now. Is our salvation nearer than when we believed? I'm going to read it again. You follow it again. And that knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. Wake up. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed? Have you heard it said about some people can sleep with their eyes open? Oh yeah, I see them every Sunday. <laughs> when I'm, is me or I? Let, let me bring you the context of where we're headed, okay? I, I beseech you, behoove you to take some notes, however you do that. <laughs> You're not a note taker, pretend you are, it'll make me feel better. 
The last time I spoke from this stage, this pulpit, I really didn't realize that I would be picking up from where I left off subject-wise. Last time, I, I took this uh, world event that we've come to know, uh, know as COVID-19 that has become a pandemic. I took that and brought to you a word, or those who were here, on what the pandemic means in light of prophecy and the coming of Jesus and the Word of God. And while I did not make a determination that the pandemic is a sign of the coming of the Lord, I made reference to scriptures that indicate that such a thing, such a pestilence, a disease, is similar to what will be, already is, an indication of the coming of the Lord. Now, we're only a few weeks removed from that lesson, and we were trying to understand pandemic, and now we're, we're giving consideration as a church and our world and an individual, we're giving consideration to what is a cataclysmic world event. I speak of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In one night, everything changed. Russia, as you know, led by Putin, is presently, as we're here now, carrying out an immeasurable destruction of lives and property and schools and hospitals and homes and buildings and businesses and places of worship. Is he not? As you and I see the footage, of course, on the television, we see the footage of death and dying and mass graves and homelessness, it tends to make one's stomach churn or turn, as the saying is. You and I are both appalled at the little children, the women, the elderly, the sick, handicapped being helped, having to look for another place to go because the apartment has been bombed and their, their home and their place of business and their schools. And while they may not know anybody in Poland or another country on the border of the Ukraine, they have no place else to go. And it looks like to me that Putin's policy is that you shoot now and figure it out later on. You bomb now and you figure it out later on. So millions have fled. What's amazing to me is that Mr. Putin has threatened the whole world and he seems like, seems like he has the upper hand. This, this kind of random killing and destruction has been a source that, or comes from a source that must be driven or maybe driven by the devil. And it appears that Putin is willing to be an instrument of the devil or just the devil himself. You ever said to somebody, you devil you? Why don't you text him right now and call him a few other names and then we would all repent together. I've called him a few things of which I had to. I've, I've asked the Lord a few. Well, anyhow, this is not my sermon. It's to kill the man. Well, okay. So, so what time is it? I have four or five thoughts under that caption. What time is it? Here's the first if you're taking notes. It's a time of prophetic fulfillment. 
right before our eyes on this Sunday morning, every day, we can see evidences that point to the second coming of Jesus. We see and hear it on the television and, and we hear it on the radio and we get news about the coming of Jesus or signs about it from social media, writings and reading. Some folks don't even know what the signs are, but that doesn't mean they're not signs. So what does the prophetic fulfillment look like? Here's a scripture that will help us broaden our understanding. Matthew 24, 5 through 8. For many will come in my name. This is Jesus speaking. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is yet to come. Look at this. Isn't this where we are? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Get this, get this thought. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Paul helps us to understand what Jesus says in Matthew. And he says this in Romans 8 and 22. And I don't know if I have it on the screen, but hear it in case I don't. Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, King James, pains, contemporary understanding, birth pains together until now. Do you know when Adam and Eve sinned and was cast out of the garden, you may already know this, but let me just say it for emphasis, when they sinned, the whole world was cursed. Can I get a witness? The trees, the plants, the animals, the river, the streams, the mountains, the sun, the moon, the stars, things above the earth and under the earth and the seas. When Adam and Eve sinned, they sinned big time. And Paul says, the earth needs to be rescued as humanity needs to be rescued. The earth is crying out to God with moans and groans the earth shakes, the lightning flashes, the thunder rolls, and it's not just because of the climate. Sometimes it's just nature calling out for redemption. And so, I, my mind goes to this, this picture, this, this word picture, of a mother-to-be on her ninth month of pregnancy as she uh, draws near to the delivering of her beautiful baby. As she gets closer and closer, there, there, is, there, there are these pains that are known as contractions. And all the mothers say amen? Because we damn ain't got a clue. A anyhow, it's, it's that crying out of her body, that urgency of, of that baby to be born, and she goes through this pain and this calling and, this, and then, then she's assisted as the child comes and, and then the, the pain's forgotten. When we get to heaven, there won't be any memo and any laptop and any device showing us what hell we came through. We'll just glad to be there. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Amen. You'll notice when I preach, if you ain't amen and for me, I'll do it for myself. Here's another thought about prophetic fulfillment. Luke 21, 30, 29 to 31. Note these in your Bible if you can because somebody needs to know this if you know it already. Jesus speaking, then he spoke to them a parable. 
Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they're already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Hey, are we already in springtime? How do I know we're in springtime? Because the trees are budding. And the leaves are sprouting. And the pollen is flying. And you are sneezing. We're just about there. Jesus says, in the fall and the winter, it's likely that you will not see any budding unless the tree of a different season, a different place. But when you see that, and let me just use Georgia's pear, or not pear, but peach tree. Reminds me of this church, doesn't you, Pastor J.C.? When you see them budding, you know that in a few months, this is spiritual, and I better get this. In a few months, you can go to Chick-fil-A and get you the world's greatest peace, peach shake ever since the world was formed. You're laughing. You ain't tried it yet, those of you. Yeah. I feel anointed. If they were open today, I'd send Brother Eddie Kirk, who is my armor bearer, to get one right now just for me. When you, don't you, can you feel the rumblings? Can you hear the bad news and the sad news? Can, can, can you see, uh, can you see the signs and hear the signs? And the Bible says, when you see these signs, it's not to bow down and moan and groan and cry and sing, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Yes, I'll just eat worms. That ain't the time to do that. When you see these signs, lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Give the Lord a hand clap, everybody. Let's move on. Let me give you another thought about prophetic fulfillment. That would be the account in Matthew 24, verses 38 and 39. Look at the screen and get this. In those days before the flood, this is the time of Noah, okay? In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. You know, brothers and sisters, if I heed the sign, it'll help me. But if I ignore the sign, it doesn't change anything about it being a sign. Let, let, let me move you to another question here. So what does prophetic fulfillment look like? Uh, as I study now, this next part here, I, I want to kind of, I may have to take it slow or whatever. I want you to get it because I want you to see how Russia relates to the Bible and prophecy and how Russia relates to right in our world now. Are you ready? So, I have come to realize that what is taking place with the Russian hostile invasion of Ukraine is part of what is eventually going to be the drive to overtake and destroy the nation of Israel. Ever since God called Israel his people, somebody has been trying to kill them. Can I get a witness if you know that? And, and there is coming a day when an army led from the north of Israel, from a large land mass, will line up with nine other nations from the north, south, east, and west, and make a journey down to Israel to annihilate Israel. 
Now, this is not Armageddon. This is a separate battle during the tribulation. Now, this, this Putin may not be the man who's going to take Russia and go through Ukraine and then go south and, and meet with Israel and kill them. This may not be the Russia that does that, but you need to see this because a Russia is going to do that. So the Bible talks about Ezekiel 38 and 39. You might want to write that down for further reference because it has a lot of symbolism and it's like Revelation. Sometimes it's, it's difficult to understand without the help of what I did. I had to read a lot, look at a lot of places. I enjoy prophecy. But uh, one of the sources that really helped me for this part of the lesson was David Jeremiah's, uh, where do we go from here? Where are we now? A lot of books he has on signs. But look at this. The prophet Ezekiel speaks of Gog and Magog. Gog is the leader and is the name of the leader. And Magog is the place of his origination. Leader is Gog. Magog is the place of the leader's origination. Now here, here we go. The word Gog means, G-O-G means high, supreme, president. That appears to me to be the attitude of Mr. Putin. The Bible says that this leader will come from the nation of Rosh, R-O-S-H. Prophecy scholars have identified Rosh as today's Russia. Still with me? Russia will lead the battle to destroy Israel and most of the nine other nations as part of the coalition will be Islamic nations who always had the agenda to destroy Israel. So Russia will have to look for ready allies. They'll be there. Now, get this thought now. Why will Russia and its allies attack Israel? Number one, the Russians will go to seize Israel's land. My dad and I went to Israel the first time. We've only been one other time as far as me visiting, not with him, but with others. Uh, now, when we went in 96, the land was barren. At least every land I saw. All over Israel... We saw rocks and boulders and stone, rocks. And, and you'd think that all Israel can do is grow rocks. We went back four years ago, and I was amazed at the vegetation, at the greenery. Amazed at the way they can grow uh, fruits and vegetables that are not natural to Israel, even uh, tropical fruits. I was amazed when I found out that land produces so much uh, vegetation and such until Israel, instead of importing their vegetation, exports it. That's a blessed land because the Bible says one day Israel is going to blossom like a rose. Here's another thought. Why will Russia and its allies uh, want to attack Israel? The purpose will be a, to steal Israel's wealth. Israel has been through, I don't want to offend you, but they've been through hell and back. If you ever go to one of the uh, Holocaust museums, my wife and I were able to go to one in Nuremberg, then of course the one in Washington, D.C. You will see what I mean. How their lives were physically destroyed. And yet wherever Israel goes, God prospers them even with the little he makes a lot. So they become a wealthy nation. 
very wealthy, in proportion to the number of inhabitants, people in Israel, in relationship to their income. I read yesterday or the day before that uh, in Israel there are 18 billionaires. 106 millionaires. So right after this service, I'll be traveling to Israel to become a billionaire. Somebody said you had to work. Well, I'm staying home then. Here's another reason why Russia and its allies will seek to destroy Israel. is because they are God's chosen people. Can I get a witness? They are, they just, if you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you too are one of God's chosen people. Can I get an amen? And so, so because Israel has had no one to fight for them for their complete redemption, they've had battles and won battles and lost battles, but for their complete redemption, when these nations have come to attack Israel and annihilate them, I want you to know that the devil cannot take anything that God blesses. Give the Lord a hand clap, somebody. Because they belong to God, God will fight their battle. And how will God destroy these armies of perhaps, I'm going to guess, 200,000 or maybe up to a million soldiers, 10 nations come on Israel's territory? How will God deal with them to save Israel? The Bible says there'll be a great earthquake. God will send a local or an earthquake that'll be felt all over the world, but not in Israel, except on his enemies, their enemies. God Controls everything. And, and, and the Bible says after that earthquake, here's another tool that God will use to destroy the enemies of Israel. The earthquake will produce such smoke and dust that it will produce mass confusion among the armies. The dust is so, so thick and the smoke is so thick until the enemies will start killing each other, not recognizing they're doing so. I read about that in 1 Chronicles chapter twenty. Not this account, but another account. Uh, another way that when these, when these hundreds of thousands of, of uh, coalition armies, uh, soldiers, led by Russia, comes to further their cause, the Bible tells us that God will send an epidemic. Can God do that? Did you know that God used one angel one night to slay 185,000 enemies? I'd rather be on God's side. Amen. And here's another thought. Everybody still with me? Good, because I was going to preach it anyhow. No, no, I need you to be with me. Here's, no, God's going to destroy those who come, want to be the destroyer by an earthquake, by confusion, and, and by an epidemic. And then God, the Bible says, for those who remain, God, those who remain who came to destroy Israel, will send down fire and brimstone on them like he did on Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't want to mess with God, or you don't want to mess with God's children. Amen? Now, now let me see if I can uh, give you just a little more on this one particular thought of Ezekiel. Uh, when God deals judgment upon these ten nations who are on the back door of Israel to kill them all, then there will be thousands and hundreds of thousands of corpses spewed all over the hills and the mountainside and the gullies and the plains. Hundreds of thousands. So how do you dispose of all these bodies? The Bible says in Ezekiel 
that God will call the birds of the air and the beasts of the field from every direction, hundreds and thousands of them, and these animals, birds of the air and beasts of the field, will perch on these corpses and destroy and eat and consume their body and their blood. And I know you're going to lunch. Uh, sorry. Look, how's God going to get rid of all these, uh, not only the corpse, but all these weapons of mass destruction, and not just mass destruction, but your tank and, and your other armors. They, they're all there now. They've come from all over the place. And, and the Bible says that, that, that God is going to allow a fire to, to consume them. These military equipment, a fire to consume all this equipment. It'll take seven years to burn it up. What's another way that God's going God's to uh, clean Israel from all its enemies and what remains? After the birds and the beasts consume the flesh of these men and, and, and their cohorts, their bones will be left. And the Bible says that in order for Israel to purify its land, all these that remain, the bones will take seven months for the bones to be buried. I'm glad I'm on the Lord's side. Okay, let me move on here. Uh, what time is it? Time for you to quit. Time, write this down. Time to watch and pray. Everybody say it out loud. Watch and pray. Hallelujah. Watch and pray. Here's where the thought comes from among other scriptures. Luke 21 and 36. Watch therefore and pray. How often? Always. Always. Watch and pray. Oh, that's, that's great advice, even you, though you uh, may not see some signs of the coming of the Lord around you regularly. Just watch and pray. Look at this, if you will. Matthew 25 and 13. Watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Watch there's not going to be a trumpet announcing as far as his coming in the sense of uh, the second coming of the second coming of Christ. The first, the rapture. Yes, you will have indication, but you won't have it a month or two months or a year in advance. Here, look at this. Uh, the passage that I'm going to share with you now will be on the screen. If you'll observe four times in this passage, the word "watch" occurs. Look for it, okay? Four times in this passage. Here we go. Mark 13, 33. Take heed. Watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country. He left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work. And he commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, in the morning, lest come suddenly, he finds you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, what? Watch. There are other illustrations in Scripture that time won't afford me to, to give to you. Number three, what time is it? It's time to suit up because we are in a fight. <laughs> Can I get an amen? 
You know these people experimenting with a, a vaccine for uh, COVID-19 or they're experimenting with possible cures for other diseases and situations. They don't know exactly what they have that they're doing with, maybe radioactive or otherwise destructive to them. So you, you remember these hazmat suits, etc.? Can, can I get a witness? You know I'm talking about all the way from the head to the foot. And, and what, what, uh, what the, the Bible is telling us is that we should, uh, we should guard ourselves. We don't have to walk around with a hazmat suit, but we should watch because there's a fight going on. And the best thing that the devil thinks, the best thing that he wants for you is to trip you up and kick you out and push you in a corner where you forget God and you forget the word and you forget the prayer. You see, you ain't in this fight alone. And I don't have time to read this. I'm running out of time. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'll read. A, a, let me just do read this few verses. It says this about suiting up. Finally, my brethren, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to get this. Put on the whole armor of God. Whole armor of God. <laughs> oh, boy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Some of your greatest enemies and mine in our spiritual struggle are enemies that we cannot see and we cannot feel and we cannot touch, but God knows how to see them and feel them and destroy them if we put on the armor of God. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Here's your sword. Here's another sword. Can somebody say amen? Here's another sword. Here's a pill high. Here's another sword. I'm not talking about going to Walmart or some army depot and buying you some kind of ancient looking metal sword. I'm telling you, every time you hit your knees, every time you open the Bible, every time you say the name of Jesus, that's your weapon. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Everybody say the devil is a liar. Yes, he is. Sometimes I think fly through my mind. I know it does when you preach to that. You think, should I really say that? And the devil says, yeah, say it. Okay, I will. No, I just, come, Joseph, please. What time is it? It's time for the king to make the last move. Here it is, the time for King Jesus to make the last move. Now, when Jesus makes the last move, it's like a domino effect. He'll start this and bum, 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 prophecy will be fulfilled. Let me show you real quick. The last move will be the rapture. You can be snatched out of here today. Let's say we snatch out of here this afternoon. Rapture. And I told the first church service that we're going to do it this afternoon because some youngs need to get saved before we go. Rapture, seven years tribulation on the earth, seven years marriage supper of the Lamb. Domino, domino. This is the Lord's last move. After seven years, Jesus comes back. The battle of Armageddon is, has transacted. The devil is put, locked in the, in the earth, and under the earth, and even further, 
for a time. So we got the rapture. We got the marriage supper of the Lamb. We got the Armageddon. We got a thousand years of peace. Ah, I can take, I can take one day of peace. How about a thousand? And after that, the white throne judgment and eternity. And I'm saying to you, I'm telling you that Putin doesn't have the last word. He don't have the last move. The, uh, the beast in Revelation don't have the last word. The Antichrist don't have the last word. Uh, this is one of them things I just said to you. The uh, Democrats and Republicans and Tea Party and Tupperware Party, none of them got the last word. He, <laughs> I like to laugh a little bit, but I also feel a, a sweet anointing. He has the last word. Give the Lord a thank you with your praises. Now, now, bow your heads, please. I thank you for the reverential way that you worship. I thank you for your encouragement in the word. But now I want to I say one more time, what time is it? And here's the answer. It's time for you to decide. Now it's in your court. What time is it? I talked about prophecy. I talked about watching and praying. I talked about fighting. What time is it for you? I don't want, I don't want to be uh, insensitive here, but every time uh, I minister in a funeral service and there, there is a casket, I'm thinking about that person in that casket has no more time. Time's over. All of us have an appointed time Everybody in this room, saved or no saved, has an appointed time. My word to you is don't be left on the wrong side of prophecy. While your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, you say, Pastor Allen, thank God for giving me another time, another opportunity to receive his word and to be changed. Pastor, I've been a a little bit negligent, a little bit uh, wishy-washy, in and out haven't been passionate or sold out, haven't fought the battle very well, and as a result, I've succumbed to things that I know I should not be involved with. I want Jesus to come into my heart today. I want Jesus to come in my heart afresh. Unless you just raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to step out. But you say, Pastor, I need Jesus, and I'm going to reach to him and let him touch me today. Now, everybody, as I, uh, as I pray this prayer, You repeat after me out loud, everybody in the house, so we make sure everyone doesn't feel singled out. On the count of three. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. And today, I ask you to wash away my sins. Come into my heart and make me a brand new creation. Today, Lord, Write my name in the book of life. And so when the trumpet sounds, I plan to be among the number that is called away. I receive you and your saving grace. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord another praise.